You're listening to the Grace Covenant Statesville audio podcast. Those of you who've been there for the last few weeks know that we're in a, we're, today is week three of a three-week series that we've entitled Love Like Jesus. And remember the premise for this was that Jesus did some really unusual things to demonstrate love. I mean, usually when we love somebody, you know, if it's a, you know, if, if it's my wife, I'm going to bring her flowers or a card or she's a quality time person. So best way I should love to her is to, hey, let's sit down and talk for a while. Um, you know, and so, but, uh, but that's what it looks like. Jesus did some really different things. He washed their feet, which again, for us is, well, there's, a, there's a cultural disconnect. We don't get that. That's not part of our culture, but really what he was doing, it was just a very practical yet a very profound way to show that he cared about people. That putting the needs of others before your own is the way to go. The last week we looked at this idea of Jesus, that the fact that he liked to eat meals with society's outcasts. The people who were all looked down upon, they weren't acceptable. These are the people that Jesus liked to hang out with. We talked about in, in this whole idea of meals and setting the table and setting the table at home. Um, just having family meals, the, the opportunity just to engage others um, on multiple occasions throughout the week. Setting the table at church. We had communion together. We had, we had our indoor picnic afterwards, just a chance to hang out with one another over a meal and to share life. And we talked about setting the table in the world. And the re- reality is that when we engage others, we really don't know what that outcome is going to be. It's not as if everyone's going to come to Christ today. In fact, that may never happen in some of our lifetimes where we have that experience. But are we sowing seeds along the way for them that someone else down the line will have that opportunity. Today we're going to look at this idea of forgiveness, another unusual thing that Jesus did to show love. I would suspect that there's probably no one in this room over the age of five who has not been hurt at some point in time in your life by someone. It usually happens to us pretty quick, doesn't it? Whether it's a friend, you know, who does something, says something, um, it usually happens where someone has done something. Maybe they've cheated us out of something that is rightfully ours. Some maybe have mistreated us in ways that we don't think that we should be treated. Or maybe someone didn't value your relationship as much as you did. So what do we do when someone hurts us? That really kind of depends on the depth of the hurt, doesn't it? I mean, there's some things that it's, it's, it's amazing to you in our culture how easily people are offended. That offends me. Well, I'll, you know, all I did was hold the door open for you, you know. So, you know, you know, so, I mean, we can take it too far. So I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about where someone genuinely hurts us and it goes deep. Well, in your worship guide, in the outline there, that actually suggests that there's two ways that we can go when someone hurts us. There's a way of vengeance, and there's this way of forgiveness. One way leads to life. One way leads to death. In this idea of um, vengeance, um, it's not necessarily this idea of you getting back at them. Okay, so it's not necessarily saying that you've, it's a physical act of vengeance and getting even. It's this idea of you wanting to see them punished. You want to see them punished, and that is part of what's driving your emotional life in most cases. 
As I reflected on this idea, however, I actually I, I thought about a third possible scenario, and that is we just ignore it, or we try to. We try to just say, I'm just, and we say, I'm not going to deal with it, and we just kind of push it back there. Well, vengeance never satisfies because hurt is an internal emotion that can't be resolved by them getting what they deserve. We might like that, but hurt is an internal emotion, and it's not resolved by external circumstances. Similarly, ignoring the problem doesn't resolve the hurt. You know, if, if that person's not a part of your life, you may be able to, that hurt might diminish, but it's never really resolved or dealt with. It's always there. When hurt is ignored or addressed in an inappropriate manner, bitterness, resentment, and unforgiveness becomes like a terminal disease. These deadly attitudes eventually begin to eat away your very soul, destroying relationships and creating both emotional and physical consequences. Dealing with hurt in a positive way is kind of a big deal. It really is. Paul talks about it in many cases. And in Hebrews chapter 12, he says, see, it, see to it that no one misses the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. When someone hurts and offends us, God's grace covers us and protects us if, if we accept his grace through this act of forgiveness. Do you ever notice that uh, it's often harder for a friend or a spouse to forgive than it is the individual who's been offended? Have you ever notice that? Part of it is because God's grace is available to the individual who's been offended and hurt. When we pick up someone else's offense, God's grace is not extended to us, and we carry that in ways that God can't, in some ways, can't help us because we've picked up something that we shouldn't have. It doesn't mean you don't care. That doesn't mean you want to help them or that you want to even want to get involved, but you don't pick up that offense. God's grace covers us when we've been offended and hurt. There's his grace is able to provide us with the ability to deal with this in a healthy way. God will hold others responsible for what they do to us. Okay, that's God's responsibility. He will hold us responsible for what we allow to go on inside our minds and our hearts. And that's really kind of at the heart of forgiveness. And I'm going to talk about the here in just, just a little bit more. But it's, a, it's not about what they did, per se. It's about our response to what they did. And how do we handle that in a healthy way? So Paul makes a pretty big deal out of this. Jesus made a big deal out of this as well. In Matthew chapter 6, he says, For if you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Well, that's a kind of a big deal. When we forgive, we can be forgiven by God. When we don't forgive... When we choose not to forgive, we put ourselves in a very precarious situation. There is a cause and effect in that, in that uh, reality with God. So what did forgiveness look like for Jesus? So if we want to love like Jesus and forgiveness is a part of his life and ministry, 
What did that look like? Well, the, the, the most, the easiest example, I think, in that area is actually found in Luke chapter 23, and we're, verses 32 to 34. I'm sure this will be a scenario for many of you you'll quickly recognize. Two other men, both criminals, were also led out with him to be executed. They're talking about Jesus. When they came to the place called the skull, there they crucified him along with the criminals, one on his right, the other on his left. Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. And he divided up his clothes by casting lots. Jesus didn't deserve this. He did nothing wrong. The, the, the accusations and the causes that they drummed up to actually justify crucifying him, he didn't do. He was falsely accused. It was so unfair what had happened to him. He was betrayed by one of his closest followers. Okay, so not only was he mistreated unfairly, he was betrayed by someone incredibly close to him. He had healed many of the very people who were now calling for his crucifixion. So people who were part of that, he had actually healed them in the, the, the years prior to that. He had been beaten and tortured throughout the night, but he doesn't lash out in anger, does he? He doesn't take on this image of a victim. What does he do? He forgives them for they do not know what they are doing. I made reference to this last week. They are doing. It's present tense. He didn't say, Father, forgive them two or three years after the fact, you know, because now time was let and he wasn't as offended and hurt. Now he could actually, it was right in the process of something he didn't deserve, betrayed by close friends, but he was the people who were calling for his crucifixion were the people that he had touched and ministered to and healed. And now in the midst of all that, in the midst of all that, he says, Father, forgive them. Love like Jesus. Or let's, let's be honest, though. All right, if we want to love like Jesus, washing his feet, all right, I get it. I can do that. It's serving one another, putting other people. Okay, I get that one. That's, that's the, that, that I can get. Breaking bread, I can do that too. Eating, sharing meals, talking, okay, that's, I get that. But forgiving someone, even when they're in the process of killing you, come on. I mean, he's the son of God. That's how, how could you expect us to live up to that standard or have that expectation of us? Jesus could only do that because he was divine, is the argument that could be made. Perhaps, but I would suggest this morning that that same divine help is available to you and me as well. Forgiveness isn't an act of will. It is a miracle. It really is to be able to do that. So how do we want to, and how do we forgive like Jesus? The first thing I think we see in scripture quite often, and certainly within the words of Jesus, is to pray for those who hurt you. Matthew 5, chapter, uh, Matthew chapter 5, you have, Jesus is talking. He says, you have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. So pray for those who have hurt you and offended you. 
Jesus taught us to pray this way, and he taught us to take this approach because prayer changes our attitudes, and attitude changes our behavior. So how do we pray? Um, there's no prescription. I would suggest, though, it needs to be sincere. You know, as someone who's hurt you and offended you, um, you know, praying for the, God's judgment is probably not the way to go. You know, God, get him! You know, that's, that's not what Jesus is saying here. Um, uh, but I get it. Um, maybe it's more like, God, help them to know you. Help them to encounter you in a transformational way. Or, God, forgive them. Or, God, bless them. I know it's not easy. I know there's all kinds of emotional ramifications that come with that. But when you start to pray for those who have hurt you, you don't know what change will take place, if any, in them. But what you will discover is that you begin to change. The change comes within you. And when we change, we're able to, the number two, give grace, not judgment. Jesus says in Luke chapter 6, he says, Do not judge, and you will not be judged. Do not condemn, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Now let me say this. Forgiveness is not ignoring a problem. Okay? Um, That's especially true if physical abuse is going on. Okay, we don't ignore problems like that. So to say I forgive you or to forgive someone in your heart doesn't mean you just ignore the problem if it's there. You've got to address that problem. And and sometimes other steps need to be taken. So it's not that when we talk about forgiving, we're not just saying ignoring the problem, pretending like everything's fine. Forgiveness is not reconciliation. Reconciliation is a function of trust. When a person hurts us, they've broken that trust relationship, haven't they? We don't trust them, whether it's in a specific area or just in general. Trust takes time to develop. So just because you forgive someone and you can make a decision in your heart to forgive them right here and now, doesn't mean that you're going to walk out of this time here this morning and trust them immediately. That can take time, okay, if ever. And because there's, there's, with any relational dynamic, there's always two people at play here. And you all can't always control what they are. But when we talk about forgiveness, we're not talking about that there's this automatic reconciliation. Also, that forgiveness is not an act of moral will. It's not a mind over matter kind of thing. I'm going to forgive you, and if I say it long enough, maybe I'll believe it. That's not what's, what's happening here either. Forgiveness is not tolerance. To forgive you doesn't mean that what you did is okay. Forgiveness is just this. It's an act of releasing the consequences for an offense someone committed against you. It's releasing the consequences. What you did wasn't right. What you did was hurtful and all that stuff. But the consequences are up to God and I'm no longer going to worry about it. I'm going to let go of that. Forgiveness doesn't make what they did okay. Forgiveness brings healing to our own soul. 
Forgiveness is about you freeing yourself. One of my uh, frustrations with many mission efforts these days is that um, they tend to be in only one direction. Um, what can we do to help you? Let, we're going to go to serve them. We're going to go to help them. It's all one direction. We never ask, how can they help us? What can we learn from them? What do they have to teach us? And that's, that's a problem. I think that, that's, that's a problem. Uh, some of you have heard me talk about just some of my um, previous our connections and involvements when we were in the country of Rwanda. <clears throat> 1994, if some of you remember history, there was Rwandan genocide. You've heard about that, some of you remembered. Um, one million people were killed within a 100-day period. One in eight. One in eight people were killed. So here's the thing. <clears throat> um, that, that 25 years later, this is the year, this is the 25th year anniversary of it, it still affects the country to this day. Um, the problem there, though, is that eventually, even those who were obviously arrested and put in jail, eventually they're getting released. When you've got this kind of genocide on this scale, it, it, it plays itself out for many, many years, and they realize that they've got some of these people now re-entering the public life. Not one or a few here and there, tens of thousands at a time. What do we do? And so the President Kagame and others were said, we've, we've got to get ahead of this. And basically, there was a Christian context to their conversations. And they said, we've got to create a culture of forgiveness within our people. Here's the thing you got to realize. No one, no one in that country doesn't have a family member who wasn't killed in the genocide. Everyone has somebody, a family member, somebody was killed during that genocide. So this idea of forgiveness is not a theoretical concept. It's here and now. Um, I've, so I've, I've had a chance to interact and talk with some of these people. A few years ago, 2015, there's actually a documentary that was created to kind of say, how's this working? What's this looking like? I've got a two-minute clip. Um, just, just, it's actually a trailer um, for, there's a movie that was produced of this, a documentary. It's called As We Forgive. Um, it's something you can actually download on iTunes. Um, it's like a 50-minute documentary. Um, phenomenal. But I want you, to, I want you to, to watch and just get a sense of the scope of what we're talking about here. They tell you that a murderer has been released in the neighborhood. How would you feel? And this time we weren't releasing one, we were releasing 40,000. When you consider a million people who got destroyed at the hands of their neighbors, when you get one million people dead, it becomes impossible to exert justice. The president of Rwanda passed a decision to release the perpetrators who had confessed their role in genocide. So far, 50,000 have been released. Why on earth should a survivor of the genocide in Rwanda forgive somebody who murdered either their mother or husband or brother or sister? 
ariko abo bose nta numusigaye nje sigaye mu musaza wose hamwe nabazisanga ari abantu barimbiye nishe kandi nkumva bimbera mu mutima kuburyo numvaga bidashobora kuvamo somebody has to tell them this painful message of forgiveness ayo kugiye mu mutima wanje numva ntambabazi zirimo nokubigirira isoni ariko naragerageje nsaka umuntu watuhuza nawe tukamera kwisito if we let them be consumed by that ongoing bitterness and anger it's like an acidic content in a metro container it will eventually eat the container up when they forgive they get released we have rebuilt the roads we have rebuilt the schools we have rebuilt the hospitals by rebuilding the hearts of people remain a big challenge are you crazy reconciliation the one who killed your family. how do i reconcile with someone who killed my family forgiveness is not human it's divine I love that line. To forgive is not human, it is divine. You think the Rwandan people have something to teach us about forgiveness? A little bit. A little bit. For those, so we want to pray for those who have hurt us. We want to give grace, not judgment. And lastly, we want to forgive as we have been forgiven. Colossians 3 says, Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. There may be some here this morning who uh, carry hurt and anger or bitterness inside of you for something that may be recent. For some of you, it's probably been there for years. Years. I want to tell you this morning, you don't need to carry it. You don't need to carry it. By forgiving the one who hurt you, you can release yourself from the bondage that you're in. Today could be the day for you. And I realize it's easy for me to stand up here and say that I'm not in your shoes. And it might be easy for you to say, you know, but you don't understand what this person did to me and the depth of what they did and what that means. And, and that's true. I, I, I don't. But Jesus does. And he's already shown you that it's possible to forgive. Today is your day for healing. The first step to forgive is to accept the fact that you have been forgiven. Accept God's grace. Take the step to forgive. Each of us has a choice. Vengeance or mercy. Prison or freedom. Hatred or grace. Life or death. If we're going to love like Jesus forgiveness is the only way perhaps you're the one who created an offense maybe as we've been talking you've recalled some instance where maybe you've hurt someone or you've wronged someone you also need to accept God's forgiveness but then you also need to determine to make it right as well with this other person or person's to ask for forgiveness for them, and to make restitution if possible. You don't need to carry that guilt either. 
Lastly, maybe uh, you need to make things right with God. You need to ask for forgiveness for him and surrender your life to him. Maybe you've gone to church, you know you're a good person, you try to do the right things, but you've never accepted his gift of grace, his forgiveness. You've never surrendered your life to him. As we conclude this morning, we've just created a little window of time of reflection, a time of prayer. Um, Julia's going to sing a song, and um, I'll be available to pray. Uh, Len and Sue up here, our elders, will be available to pray with you as well. If you would like to just have someone pray with you. For some of you, maybe it's this moment where you're wanting to make a decision and solidify that with communion. Just uh, this this act of just uh, solidifying that. And it's, we're, we've got a self-serve station over here. If you can come and take a cracker and dip it into the chalice. Do not drink from the chalice. Um, but dip it in the chalice and take communion, maybe yourself, a loved one, our family, if you want to do it together. Um, but we're just, it's just going to be for one song, so we're not going to have an extended time, but just a chance for you to let go, to forgive to be forgiven. Man, my prayer is that no one leaves here carrying something that you don't need to carry. You don't need to carry this. God wants to deliver from you this day. For more information on Grace Covenant Church, our service times, ministry opportunities, directions, and more, visit us at gracecovenant.org.